Dude, my arms were sore. Uh, I I found a technique where I stuck the end of the flagpole sort of in my belly button, and that helped take some, <laughs> that helped take some of the weight off my arms. I am, I am, I'm not sure what I wanted you to say, but I'm so glad you said belly button. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say this about game day too, uh, that I did get a contingent of Washington fans to start embracing Oregon State. And they found out I, no no one from Washington knew what Chapa meant. So I, I did explain it they to a number now. of people. Mm. They know now. They didn't know that it was affiliated with Oregon State. So when they did know was when the panel started making the picks for the UCLA-Oregon State game. And every time they played Oregon State, uh, I'd scream and people started to sort of figure <laughs> figure it out and they embraced me when everyone was looking at me and I said we fucking hate the ducks too and it just garnered a round of applause <laughs> from anyone that was in the vicinity so I, I think I made a couple of beaver fans over the weekend there you nice. go and Washington yeah. State fans have to understand that you know you, you need you need allies in a in a situation like that yeah well well get on you uh you confirmed earlier I think we weren't recording uh that you did you did manage to stay awake for the entirety of the beaver game correct I did yeah when when we got done with college game day um it really was like the anticipation and the anxiousness and the excitement of the beaver game i couldn't go to sleep so thanks dj you and crew <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Thanks for man. being so exciting this year. We will get into that and more, but had to start with our man, Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage. Game day Benny, as mm. he might be referred to, at least for another week. Uh, <laughs> he was the one waving waving the Chapman flag. I think I saw you waving the damn flag at another point, too. And there is a lot of... I noticed multiple Oregon State flags there. I know there was a, one that claimed the life of a poor flagpole because of... Uh, when fabric gets rained on, it gets heavier. Uh, <laughs> science says that we we learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that flag was so big at, at Red Square this week. It was huge. Uh, also, some drama over the weekend. JP, it looks like your house uh, electricity has been restored to the Bertram household. Yes. We can see you. Lights are on. Your mic is connected. Uh, hair is still blonde, and it's, it's yes, like, it's looking fantastic. Thank yeah. you. And Thank you, you were at the game on Saturday. I was night at the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great time. Um not fun to come back and you know find out that uh your your breaker was fried. Um we have work happening on our garage still uh and the breaker blew while we were out of town, so our contractor went down to turn it back on and something gargled and made some scary noises. Gargled. So. Yes, so we had. I don't know to, what uh, that means, but I can figure it's not good. If you, yeah, you don't really want electricity to ever make noise, mm. and if it does, yeah, yeah. it's probably it's true. Bad. <laughs> so half of our house was like is like on the same breaker that blew, including like our internet modem and oh, the basement. Um, so we're back. 
We're working, we're, we're, we're operative. And yeah, after a very fun and wild weekend in Corvallis, uh, it's feeling good to be home and relaxing. That is nice. why we are recording on Monday, October 16th and not Sunday, October 15th, but that's okay. Um, I'm glad everything is up and running. That sounds terrifying. Like if someone just told me, you know, new homeowner scaries over here, that like your breaker is <laughs> fried, I'd be like, okay. I'd have no idea what the next step is. Okay. Um, speaking of <laughs> what noises, about if it was gargling? My well, my furnace just started making noise, and I already had a appointment scheduled for it to be looked at because I'm assuming it's a pretty old furnace. I know a little bit about it from like the previous like home report or whatever. Uh, for the day we get back from Vegas <laughs> on a, a week from today, Monday, October 23rd, and it's not making any like crazy noises, but it's like every now and then it like starts like talking or whatever, like the furnace in Home Alone where he gets scared <laughs> in the basement. It's like, hello, Kevin. <laughs> so it just starts doing that and I'm like, shut up. Um, Cause that worked for Kevin McAllister in the movie and so far it's working right now, but I don't think that is the uh, professional uh, recommended way to go about it for the long term. So hopefully there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. And it's just, you know, it's it's waking up after a long summer and fall in the Midwest and getting ready to get me through the winter, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed for you. I feel like Minneapolis, Minneapolis is probably the city in the United States that you need your heater to for be sure. pro properly functioning the most. I bet like the first furnace inventor like lived here and was just like, holy shit, this town is a gold mine. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine cornering the furnace market in Minneapolis, Minnesota in whatever year the furnace was invented? This might be the part of the podcast where I won't do that yet. We got look at those change. dummies going to California looking for gold. Yeah, it's gonna... right here. Sell giant machines powered by coal that are this half the size of your house. <laughs> this isn't gonna burn anything down <laughs> great great business decision um and i will use another great business decision to get us further towards the meat of this episode one of the best decisions ever in the history of organized sports jp i'm gonna ask you something real quick mm -hmm. can you please play five seconds of i'm coming home by diddy dirty money and skylar gray i'm coming home i'm coming in honor of Oregon State's homecoming, <laughs> in honor of Bernice Beaver returning to the field at Research Stadium. The rumors were true. The truck pulled onto the field. Benny, the beaver, not Benny, Benny Blastoff, Benny Burner, Benny Bullgame, Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian, we hated Benny with the good quaff. Benny the beaver opened the door and out popped the one and only Bernice Beaver. It only took 111 episodes, <laughs> specifically the episode when we learned about this and turned that one episode into a true crime podcast, Unsolved Mysteries episode, <laughs> hitting up the Oregon State Athletic Department with requests time and time again, asking uh, the, the great Sarah Elcano in the Oregon State Athletic Department, can we get Bernice? Can she come back? Where is she? Just if you have any, if you have any ears or eyes on Bernice, just let her know she's missed and she's welcome back anytime. It didn't seem like it could happen, but God damn it, it did. Bernice Beaver at Research Stadium. JP, you are in the house. You are there. 
Yeah. You saw her with your eyes. Yep. What I saw her with my eyes. Moment like when Bernice came out. Man, it was so electric. I I think there was definitely rumblings of a return, right? And and Sarah teased it on the Joe Bieber show, I believe, earlier in the week. And it, they did it at the perfect time, though. It was just like a moment where no one was like, oh, it's halftime, something big's going to happen. But it, it was like still a positive momentum swing in the game. So it just was like all this came to fruition and came to a head at the same time. The crowd went nuts. And it was like really well played uh, by the athletic department, of course. the um, Not only was the arrival really well thought out and she pops out, she runs over to Benny. They start breaking into dance together, like choreographed dance. And, uh, you know, she's got the right motions and moves. Definitely studied up, you know, on like, all right, what what is Bernice's like persona? Uh, and they modernized it as well. I mean... The amount of work that must have gone into this, from what I've been able to gather as well, was one of those things where it wasn't certain um, that it was still going to even be pulled off. We've heard rumors, you know, prior Benny, Will later, uh, that Bernice does exist in <laughs> Gill. Did, at least at that time, that he uh, had donned the uniform of Benny the Beaver and was in terrible, terrible shape. That that claim had been confirmed by others as well who had seen the mascot that she once was and it completely deteriorated. There were a lot of people behind the scenes that had put in a lot of last-minute uh, work to get the head uh, spruced up and ready to roll. It was the same head uh, that was last used 30 years That's ago. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. Yes. Because it looked fantastic. It looked fantastic. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I from what I've heard, it was actually Sarah's husband who put in some late yeah. hours to get that uh, get the helmet or the head viable. And yeah, I mean, just so many people who were backing it behind it within the athletic department. Um, Sarah pushing for it to to make it a reality and really leaned on the Beaver Nation. I mean, like we were all a voice for this to try to get to get this done, uh, to bring her back, that there was a desire for her to be on the court, in the field, uh, on the pitch. And she ran with it. So you know, kudos to Sarah for making that happen, for listening to the fans and having a pulse on the fans' desires and interests. And yeah, I mean, like I said, no small feat. Everyone seemed to be thrilled. The lines to meet Bernice, <laughs> they were massive. And one immediately uh, noticeable thing was how many kids were in line, uh, but also how many like little girls were in line to meet her. And I just thought that that was like so unique because, I, and I saw it firsthand. It's not the same if you're if you're a little girl and you meet a mascot, but it's clearly supposed to be a boy dressed up for a sport that most women don't play, girls don't play. Like you don't have anyone to look at and say like, yeah, see, this is this is I should be here. I should like this. I should want to learn more and play it, whatever. But Bernice kind of filled that void for people, I think. And so, like even after the game, uh, my little Penelope was like, I'm not afraid of girl Benny. I'm not afraid of girl Benny. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like I don't like boy Benny. I, I, I'm afraid of boy Benny. I'm not afraid of girl Benny. I like girl right. Benny. And like just it was it was immediately clear, immediately clear that this was a very impactful moment for a lot of people and a lot of young people. So I hope she sticks around. I from different things I've read through Twitter and social media is it's still TBD on how much she would be around. Sarah posted something on Twitter, like they're negotiating the terms of her uh, 
semi-retirement. <laughs> Saw that. Se- semi-retirement. Yeah, I hope like she sticks that. around. And on that retirement note, sorry to Stan Hagen. Um, first, shout out Stan Hagen and family for being honored on the field at the game as oh, like fourth yeah. generation. There's like 11 Hagens on the field as like fourth generation Beavers. So very cool to see them get the uh, deserving honor. Unfortunately, Stan made a bet that if Bernice... Uh, came out of retirement, uh, he would also uh, go back to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? I saw that. His tweet after the game was, well, it looks like I'm headed back to work on Monday. So, <laughs> oh, no. Don't do it, Stan. We're hiring, Stan. We'll, we'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll send you some merch, and we just ask that you wear it uh, next to your inflatable Benny uh, on game days. Yes. Yeah. That's a job. Influencer. Yeah. We, we could probably, uh, you know, organize uh, some, some PTO and some healthcare benefits to go along with that. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss that at our next board meeting. Um, but great perspective, JP. That's definitely like, we really, you know, there, there we didn't start the bring back Bernice movement, uh, but we obviously joined in full force and it's, it's fun and it's silly, but also the look on your daughter's face, seeing her, like it, it's, it's very real as well. Like I've seen your child terrified of Benny the beaver. Like I've, I've been present yeah. when she thought this giant beaver is going to murder me. Yeah. And it's, it's she would not tell me fun. weeks later, I don't want to yeah. boop Benny's nosy. I don't want to, I don't want to boop Benny's nosy and you should want to <laughs> boop, boop the beaver's nosy. Uh, so having Bernice there, uh, and some fly air maxes too, and a great jacket. Bernice looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That's like retirement. Hey, Bernice, whatever, whatever beach you're on, it's working. Uh, so, (laughs) so fun, but also important. And it sounds like Scotty B loved it. So I think we'll, we'll continue to see Bernice more and more at things. I know there are a lot of moving parts to make, uh, that a, full-time move but i'm glad they listened to the fans and just seeing the reaction in all of the videos that have been posted is awesome yeah and the video that oregon state posted themselves was the yes. man we've talked about it before but oregon state's social media team is uh, a godsend they've been yeah. awesome this they year. are they are are killing it um so with that let's move into the reagan beers segment so that we can indeed uh, toast to, we are obviously toasting to Bernice Beaver on, on this homecoming edition of the Belligerent Beavs podcast, the 112th episode of the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Thank you for being with us again, dear listener. JP, I've seen you take a couple mm. sips out of a yes. can I do not recognize, and Ooh. I would like to know what it is, my good friend. Uh, it's a Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest Fest beer. Oh, okay. Ooh, that yeah. is seasonally appropriate. I know. I've been dying to find a good seasonal fall beer. And uh, this one I, I actually purchased earlier or late last week when my uh, sister and brother-in-law and niece and nephew were in town um, to get some good festive beers to enjoy for, uh, for the this nice fall weekend we had. Um, and it, I was informed by my brother-in-law that these sell out in California, like all the time. And I mean, for better or worse, I don't know if you really want to compare apples to apples, the, the, the beer selection in Portland or Oregon in general to California. But I would say, uh, if it sells out, it's probably pretty decent, even in Oregon standards. So 
Uh, I went and got it, and uh, it is really good. It's a good little fest beer, 6% too. So sometimes you get one of those like Oktoberfest beers, like 4%. You're like this is good. But, yeah, like well, I, whatever. <laughs> I'd rather just go drink some water, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, this one's good. Well, you know, keep, keeps the hydrated, keeps it keeps it healthy, keeps the blood flowing. Mm, I Excellent. hope it keeps the blood flowing. Excellent. <laughs> Be bad news if it wasn't. I feel like I haven't been <laughs> asking your untapped, the blood. your untapped scores lately. I feel like I'm I'm dropping the ball on that. What would, oh. what would this be on untapped? Let me see. I think I gave it a four point one or three point nine. It was just around a four. Um. It's it, percentage. Yeah, three point nine. Round it up. It's a four. Okay. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before. You've answered this question, but what's the highest score you've ever given on Untapped? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think I've given it out like a four point seven. Mm. Oh, I gave Pliny the Younger four point eight. Mm. Okay, mm. I still haven't had that. They, when I was in at my hotel was two blocks away from Russian River in Santa Rosa. They didn't have Pliny the Younger. They had Pliny the Elder. Mm-hmm. which I had had before, but never in the tap room of the brewery, and it was delicious. Um, yeah. But I've heard great things about Pliny the Younger as well. Yeah. Well, it's a um, triple IPA that tastes like a IPA. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> it is just magic. I believe that's called triple stamping a double stamp, and you're not supposed to be able to do that, but apparently Russian River pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, nice Benjamin job. Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, um, you are in the midst of still recovering, Yep. Catching up on sleep, as that great ur- urban myth uh, is. Um, <laughs> I will remind you, I will remind you that uh, about five days from now, we will all be in Las Vegas, Nevada together uh, for your long awaited bachelor party. That's how, you know what? It's a bye week. We should be resting up, maybe take an episode off or something like that. Get right, get healthy. Nope, we're going to Vegas. Uh, JP has already said we're recording in Vegas, so our mics are coming with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will so be a no, fun episode. No rest for the wicked. Uh, no. but Which so- is why I'll be locking myself in a coffin for the next four days in preparation. <laughs> because I will tell you, that sounds so intimidating right now with uh, with how tired I am. But do I'm you, excited. Do you, What do you have right now do you have I, like some kind of uh like like do you are you just drinking melatonin to the dome right now <laughs> what it's uh <laughs> no. what's going what's your vice tonight so here is uh just i guess something that's interesting i had never smoked a blunt before this weekend wait what swear swear i never ah uh, uh, i'd never done it i'd only smoked joints what? and taken edibles or smoked out of a pipe but i'd never smoked a blunt so I now i can I've relate to you. The, my top 50 favorite rap songs uh <laughs> which is great and uh i smoked one tonight which oh is why God. i was telling the story but it was a while ago so i wouldn't consider that a vice i am still hungry though and i guess my (laughs) vice i guess my vice would be this mercy chocolate (laughs) which is really good and i've been trying to eat healthy so (laughs) wait is mercy chocolate a kind of health chocolate no i'm just saying it's my vice because it is chocolate all right yeah yeah, I've been slamming that Peloton in, in preparation you have, for you, Vegas. You, yeah. you have, you have. Oh, um, yeah. Mine's still broken, but that's okay. What? Um, yeah, we'll talk about that offline. That has to be. I've, part of it's been I've been lazy and yelling at them, but that's another story. You just have too much fun yelling at them. Oh my God. <laughs> it is fun. You've never smoked a blunt before this weekend. 
ever nope i've never done it i get you last time i the last time i smoked with you that's that, that's correct those were joints that mm -hmm. they're big joints when we did our um oregon state basketball summit in february of 2022 and i was hoping to talk about that at the end of the episode in a hardwood section but <laughs> oscbeers.com still doesn't have the women's basketball schedule posted or they have the non-conference without the conference schedule posted and i'm trying to figure out a weekend where we can do that again but those were joints those weren't blunts you are correct mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. yeah all right well good for you um yep. well welcome to the good fascinating world of blood being, being able to understand your favorite rap songs i feel like you must really love andre nicotina now <laughs> it's been almost three years of referencing andre nicotina songs you really <laughs> Really spoke. I like get a man him now. Who understood smoking blunts, Benny? I understand all of them now. Okay, yeah. And I'm mm. out half a blunt hanging out my mouth. Uh, oh. <laughs> it just, yeah, it so just cool. Totally opens up the entire catalog. Um, well, you guys have you guys have noticed probably on Zoom. Uh, the listeners have not, as they can't see me because it is a podcast for your ears and not for your eyes. Is uh, Benny famously said once, but this <laughs> is a uh, wine night in my household uh, tonight. I was just making, I was making kind of a healthy dinner tonight and just was like, you know what? I'm going to have a glass of wine with this. And then I finished and I was like, let's just keep drinking this bottle of wine here. Oh, yeah. uh, there is still a bit left. As you can see, I'm not going crazy, uh, but it's a Cabernet from Kind Stranger, which is in Benton City, Washington. I've never heard Washington of Washington State, a state that Benny lives in, in a state with a football team that we don't really love or like these days, but they uh, beat a football team that we like a lot less on Saturday. So I looked at the state that this wine came from, and I was like, that's, that's the one for tonight. I gotta have it. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. And it went really well with the uh, he healthy dinner of uh, chicken and sweet potatoes and other oven-roasted veggies that I had made for myself. So nice. felt like an adult, and I still feel like an adult sipping out of this nice wine glass, too. It's weird to be making the show and drinking wine out of a wine glass and not Bud Light out of his hall boy. But man, buying houses, drinking wine out, out of sorry. wine glasses. I'll make like 10 fart Holy jokes in the shit. next statement to even it out. So <laughs> sorry if we appear too snooty to, on this episode. <laughs> We're still the same guys. <laughs> Just got a, a few more champagne problems now. Um, can't ask JP to play five seconds of champagne problems because when we play T Swift, the the Russians get mad at our YouTube for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir's the big Swifty. <laughs> Vladimir's a big Swifty and will not stand uh, us taking any clicks uh, in uh, off Russian IP addresses. Uh, so let's <laughs> raise our glasses and our cans and our Macy chocolates. Uh, to the one, the only, the long-awaited, and welcome back, Bernice Beaver. Yes. Let's go. Cheers. That was so cool to see. I, it really like, was. I can't remember when the last time I had her, but it is like such a right. vague, distant memory. So, yeah, it was awesome to see her. I think you just have to go right. back and listen to episode, what was it, 11, 12? When did we start? When did we do the investigative? I was going to oh, I yeah. was gonna go back and find the exact episode, but I didn't get around to it today. Oh. But it's, it's like 100 episodes ago. It was yeah. early. It was, it was very early. early in our run. 
Yeah. So if you are a new listener, first of all, thank you for joining us on this uh, ridiculous bananas program that we call the Belligerent Beefs Podcast. Um, please episode continue. 13, by the way. Episode 13. Go back. Heck yeah. You should, you should go back to episode one, as I try to say on every episode that it is a narrative podcast. And we, we are... Uh, epic storytellers on, on par with, uh, you know, the, the Iliad by Homer and other works of, of that nature. Uh, but episode 13 was the investigative unsolved mystery style true crime podcast episode where we first dove in to the Bernice Beaver mystery. And I believe it was that episode when we started mm -hmm. signing off with Bring Back Bernice. Yep. So yeah, we I think made it was just under a hundred total episodes. There's well, this couple, would be a hundred. This this one would have been the hundredth time doing it. Yeah, and there is you know some some uh, bye weeks for us in there, and of course our summer hiatus from from this year. But that's you know that so that's close to just two years total of being like, hey, I, I feel I I really want to keep getting two years, one Al month, Cano. and one week. Because uh, wow. every time I think we have any kind of idea, we're like, hey, Sarah, could we do this? Could this happen? <laughs> and it's like, what? And the idea is like, what if Miley took a hot air balloon into the stadium and she's already doing party in the USA? Like, why can't that just happen at the game this weekend? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> for bearing with us and just all of our uh dreaming and imagineering we appreciate you so much sarah uh and beyond that there was a football game to be played a very important football game against a very good team uh the revenge tour continued and for the first time we were playing a team headed to the big 10. now i've never asked either of you to sort of rank the 10 departing schools as to who we hate the most or even do kind of a comprehensive listing of all of the villains in this. There are just too many. Uh, if Listener, if that's an activity you'd like to do, I, we'd love to hear it. But also it's just everyone sucks and everyone has hurt us in so many different ways. But I think all of us sort of have a different relationship and different understanding of the teams that are leaving for the Big Ten specifically. Because that is that is the conference that kind of put this in motion. Uh, of all conferences, we know the TV networks did this a lot. I'm not saying they didn't, but it is the Big Ten. And as your boy who lives in Big Ten country or what was Big Ten country, and now they just want it to be the whole country. <laughs> we, we all do now. I'm sure I'm sure they're going to annex like University of British Columbia and a fucking a school in, in Mexico so that they can own all of North America soon. But... University of Dodge Monterey. I'm they could do that. I'm furious at the Big Ten. I will be furious at the Big Ten for the rest of my life. I'm talking with my therapist about how to channel that anger in a healthy way. <laughs> so this is our first Start crack. a podcast. <laughs> Continue a podcast. Add a substack. Like get a different channel that's just anger all the time. <laughs> but this game, this game felt personal. It, it's against Chip, who I will give Chip a lot of credit. Chip yes. has Chip has spoken out against this realignment nonsense in ways that we'd hope we'd had seen from more people. But he's still a person who I don't believe ever lost in Corvallis uh, as, when he was the head nope. coach of Oregon. Nope. And he's the head coach of a school in Los Angeles that is heading to the Big Ten just because they're conveniently geographically located close to USC. And that pisses me off. And 
I feel some type of way about the UCLA Bruins in ways that I never did before. And I usually only really thought about UCLA when we were playing them or in like the years where like, you know, they'd pop up and have a pretty good team. And I never really had any kind of disdain or negative thought towards the Bruins at all. It was kind of a team like I feel good about cheering for this team if they make the Rose Bowl against some Big Ten team or something like that. So this kind of felt like the first real, like, fuck you revenge tour game. And the guys came out swinging. And it wasn't a perfect game, but we got the lead on our first offensive possession after turning them over. Great interception by Akili Arnold. And we didn't surrender the lead the rest of the game. I think it probably felt a little more nerve-wracking in points than it actually ever was (laughs) to the guys on the field. Uh, 36-24, 36 points against a team that hadn't given up 17 more than 17 points all year. 133 rushing yards against a defense that only gives up 65 per game. JP, you were in the building. You were there. You felt the energy. I want to start with you on just sort of what was your biggest takeaway while driving home as the, the results set in. And on top of all that, your beefs are 6-1 and one heading into the bye week and bowl eligible for the earliest time in history. And of course, yes. rewarded with its highest AP poll ranking in the last 11 years. What was the number one thing on your mind after taking all that in? Well, I, first and foremost, the team was definitely prepared and ready. There was no lull. There was um, no kind of dragging their feet. There was no disinterestedness. Everybody was ready to prove themselves. And I think they all did feel that they had to go out there and do that and make a statement because it was the first time we were playing a team that had affected the uh, Big Ten. I also think that some of these guys grew up Beaver fans. They remember Chip Kelly. They remember the Oregon teams and the battles with them, the change in the linear trajectory that the programs endured. And while, again, I, I think that it was it was a nice kind of monkey off our back moment to beat him at Reeser, uh, and I'll echo your sentiments that you guys said about him um, having some very thoughtful perspectives around realignment um, and also some insights that I think that are uh, appreciated, like that, hey, somebody at least feels this way, <laughs> like, Football's going in the wrong direction. College Alexis is going in the wrong direction. Um, here's what might make it better. But let's not forget, he's still going to benefit greatly from changing conferences. Right. Uh, it might not be forever, but he will. Um, and uh, being in the Big Ten at this point as a head coach isn't going to be much different than being in the NFL as a head coach. You're going to be in the circle. You're going to be in the coaching circuit. You're in. Um, so I don't. Chip Kelly likes to talk out of the sides of his mouth. Sometimes both sides of his <laughs> mouth, and uh, I think that that's what he's kind Literally of doing or with figuratively. this. <laughs> uh, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I I thought that um, the offense had some great plays, some great electric plays. I think that that also really, especially as we opened the game and um, kind of stalled on our drives. Right. It uh, of course ASAP going out there and is automatic. Yeah. Uh, and so it has to be mentioned. He had a great game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a great game. Um, and and I love that we just didn't really leave any points in the field still uh, through those first couple drives where we had just just couldn't get it all punch all the way in. Um, love seeing Aiden come out there again in that third drive. That burnt his red shirt, by the way. That was right. Official. I was. Oh, I had that. I had that thought. And yep, it talked about it a little bit on the broadcast of like it was. It's planned to just give him the third series. Um, yep. From here on, or I think that's been the plan for a while. And 
I think in either in Canzano's mailbag that he answered that he had spoken to both coaches and Aiden's parents. And this had actually been in, in the works for a while. And the red shirt's technically not burned. Like it would be unlikely to use it again, but like say he, like an injury were to take place. Or Next. Yeah. Right. Any other unfortunate freshman red they shirt. They could use it. Right. But so like yeah. this season will count towards his eligibility. And I have more thoughts on that if we want to get more into Aiden later, but I think we should keep it on what happened on the field on Saturday. And he did look great on that third series and led us to our first touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, and I actually was, I spoke with um, Adrian, his dad after the game as well. And, you know, just said like, it, it, I love seeing him out there. He's playing great ball. Um, asked him about what was his thoughts on it potentially now, meaning, you know, he's locked in the rest of this season. He can't sit it out and retain this eligibility for this year. Uh, and, and he's, he echoed those same thoughts to me as well, that this has been, in the works for a long time. It's essentially, to me, I, I was under the impression that this was pro probably part of the agreement of, uh, you know, keeping Aiden engaged and happy, um, but also ready. And so I don't think Jonathan Smith ever looked the, to any other options in this case. Um, and we've said this before, like, you can't burn a, this guy's, like, freshman year. Uh, we need all hands on deck this year, like, everybody. Yep. And and if we if we redshirt him and something, God forbid, happened to DJ, I know we've got Benny G. He did a great job last year, especially being thrusted into the, a role that he was not expecting to have to take on on a team that was accelerating uh, in its you know, progress. But I... I this had been planned. This was the this was a conversation that was happening multiple times a week to make sure everyone was on the same page about it. Um, and yeah, I think everybody is kind of happy with what's been happening. I mean, he's been playing phenomenally. Obviously, he played a great drive. Um, he's getting live reps uh, in Pac-12 play against a future Big Ten program uh, and and throwing touchdowns. I mean, that's that's incredible experience for a freshman. Um, and being able to be active and playing and learning behind DJ, I mean, it's a, it's a great scenario. Uh, and I think it's paying dividends already for him. Um, so I got to, I, maybe this is twofold, uh, tongue in cheek. The defense played great. I think they played great against a standard quarterback. I think we have right. lots of work to do over the bye week against a mobile quarterback. Dude, um, when Colin Lee was in the game, it, <laughs> I was terrified every time I saw him out there. It, it was it was like a one juke open field. We were, we all bit the wrong way, and he just had green grass, green turf, and so I'm a little bit concerned about that for the defense. But I do think they were active. They had high energy. Obviously, the defensive backs played great. Um, but we we got to figure out a way to contain these mobile quarterbacks, especially before we go down to uh, Tucson. Yep. Yeah. The the um, uh, UCLA quarterback reminded me a lot of the quarterback that we played with uh, uh, at Cal, and I think it was the backup at Cal as well. Um, that they just insert all of this weird pre-snap motion, uh, and they have a mobile quarterback, and they're not really throwing the ball. It resembled that a lot. So, like you said, you, you hope we don't see that down in Arizona, but it seems like that is something that Bray's going to have to shore up because that is a weakness that has certainly been exposed on this this defense. Right. Well, yeah. with Cal, Fernando Mendoza hadn't really played. And I guess in this instance, the only difference was we, we were doing a good job against Dante Moore. And mm -hmm. I guess Ch Chip had said going into the game, the game plan is going to be both quarterbacks. Uh, sort of depending on situational things or whatever. And it would, I don't, 
it's a it's a probably a fun what if for Bruins fans. I don't think even if Schlee, Schlee got hurt after that like forty yard scamper, where it looked like Calvin Hart Jr. had him dead to rights and he just spun out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Hart Jr. had a fantastic game <laughs> apart from that play, uh, but credit to Schlee, he he kind of just looked like Coletto running out there, just that yeah. giant body bouncing off tackles and <laughs> finding a lane and really getting going. Um, I still think we win with some comfort, but it did kind of look like you know we had game planned to stop this one guy and we were stopping him. And then this other guy keeps coming in at a pattern that didn't, I, I couldn't detect anything that was like recognizable about when they were putting him in there and when they weren't, it's not like it was just short yardage. It's not like it was just red zone. It was just, I think chip reading what Bray was doing. And it's kind of a chess match. And yeah, it felt that way. We d- didn't enjoy many of Chip Kelly's exploits over the years, but I think we can all agree that the dude's designed some pretty effective running games in his career. Uh, so I think that was that's a tough thing. And Benny, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's like some an adjustment that Bray has to make, and I'm kind of glad he was challenged with it. I don't think we'll see that too much going forward. I don't think anyone else would will really deploy multiple quarterbacks. Uh, intentionally, I think yeah. we'll we'll have Fafita for sure um, against Arizona and Shador uh, against in when we play Colorado. It's just a hard look for the defense. I, I think it's less about the mobile quarterback, although that is essential, but more so the pre-snap motion. That is something sure. that this yeah. defense seems to have a lot of trouble with. There was a lot of movement, a lot of fakes, and just like mm-hmm. a lot of reads. <laughs> and yeah. when you've already game planned for someone else, that opens up some holes. And UCLA's running game was able to find those holes, and Carson Steele looked great out of the backfield. Yeah. Like They were able to get up and down the field, but also I think part of the design of that is – once uh, Cooper Jr. had his pick six right before halftime. It was so fun. By the way, I was, was on Beaver Street when that happened, and Beaver <laughs> Street was so jammed. I've never did you try to run. Did you have space to run with him stride for stride like you did with Anthony Gould against San Diego State? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was. It was a very cool environment. Um, so yeah, shout out uh, the stadium team and and Scotty B for putting that into motion because man. That was one of those experiences where you're like, I can't even walk anywhere. And now we're all going nuts like a mosh pit because we just got to pick six leading in the halftime. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. That's when you're like, like in one second, you're annoyed at the person who's like in front of you in line because it's moving so slow and annoyed at the person in, behind you in line because they're probably bumping into you. And then after that, it's just like, oh my God, I love everyone around me because we just scored this <laughs> touchdown. Um, but <laughs> my point on that was after that pick, it was a two plus possession game the rest of the way. If you look at our, our text <laughs> chain during it, like we were freaking out at different parts. Obviously I get made fun of for this. I feel like I had some justification on Saturday. 11 penalties is way too many, but mm-hmm. still like it was more than a two possession game for or two possession game or more the rest of the way, I should say. So that's like with the offense is scoring like that, it's 29 to 10. If you're Bray and Bray's not sitting, uh, you know, on his headset going, yeah, let them score here. It doesn't matter. But all of those were lengthy drives that relied on their running game. 
We didn't give up any huge plays. We didn't get beat deep. It's just kind of like, all right, you guys can have these three really long run dominant drives and best case scenario, you're going to lose by a touchdown because you'll just run out of time. So that's not to say that Bray was just conceding, but also just making sure that we didn't give up the play that could potentially break the game open the other way. And I think they were able to find some room between the tackles. Uh, Steele looked great as well. Um, He was just bouncing off guys and was really hard to bring down and was a challenge for us and will be a, a similar challenge that we face the rest of the way. But I don't have a ton of concern uh, now, two days later, thinking back on it. It was, there were some frustrating broken tackles, uh, but really I think we were more in control of the game than we really felt like we were as as spectators. Yeah, I mean, we, we were up. So we scored our last touchdown with about four and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And that put us up 36 to 17. And like anything can happen during any game, but I feel pretty good about Oregon State being up 36 to 17 with less than 20 minutes to go in the game. Just with how our offense is set up, um, they can really grind out the clock. And we've talked about it before, but with the or, or new rules, milk, they can milk re- the clock. Oh, yeah. milk the clock yeah yeah shout out jonathan smith but uh, this podcast yeah, is yeah. sponsored by organic belly that's right. <laughs> but yeah i the, the way that the offense plays i mean they um they put it on full display on saturday with uh being able to rely on the run game both fenwick and damian had really really solid games the offensive line did a really good job of uh building pretty big holes for them to run through but then you see uh the, i mean there were some big explosive plays on offense too with uh silas's play or um not that it was well executed but the play where dj just threw the, the ball Velling straight up and Velling, yeah. Velling came right. down but with it. but Velling's second touchdown was an explosive play yes as well. that, so that right. was the receiving end of that explosive. right by the way that it, jump it was, ball in reser was hilarious was, because everyone was like oh and i was like whoa that's a, that's a no 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 yeah 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 play yes. for sure i was terrified yeah, <laughs> yeah. When that happened, but um, I, I mean, now you have Velling getting in it, more involved. I, he had—I don't know—I tweeted this out earlier today. He had more touchdowns in the last two weeks than like a ton of big name schools, like Texas A&M, Purdue, <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah. He had more touchdowns in the last two weeks than those teams did. Um, so we talked about it all last year too. Like you have to get the tight ends involved, and that was sort of the last part of this he, offense. I think that needed to get nailed down and it did in the last two games he is on pace a a lot of things can happen i'm gonna be irresponsible for a second (laughs) he's on pace to leave osu as the school's all-time leader in receiving touchdowns (laughs) (laughs) yeah brandon cooks brandon cooks is the leader with 24 and valiant has 10 and he's just over the halfway point of his second season dude he has just been balling out the last two games it's been incredible i mean he he has for the last several games uh just right. getting getting the scores for the last two games but um i, I love that he's he's quickly becoming just one of one of my favorites yeah i mean oregon state if the only thing that was kind of concerning on the offense side of the ball is that we were five for 12 on third down conversions yeah right mean, you want to see but that UCLA's a defense is good we really were good that. yeah they're really they were good. good. It's easy to nitpick because there were some offensive line penalties. 
third down wasn't great, but that's a good defense. Yeah. It was a good, a defense. Really good defense. Yeah, and, and and that's but that's what an offensive Oregon State's caliber can do cuz UCLA right. from what I've seen in their games previous is that they want to make they're going to make you beat them in one area. They're going to try to take away your strength and with Utah they took away the run and tried to make Nate Johnson beat them and um and so they're really good at that but when you have a dynamic offense like Oregon State where hey if they're going to take away the pass and fucking feed the rock to Fenwick and Damian and they'll put the team on their back and vice versa um I think that you'll see a lot of these hyped up defenses that Oregon State's going to play um not look as good against Oregon State and I I think we probably have played the two best defenses in the conference but um going forward yeah the, the other thing um, that, that I think is important, and I know we'll talk about this more next week, but when you look at the Arizona game, and a lot of people are freaking out about that, and I think rightfully so, right. Washington and USC both had fairly big leads on Arizona, and then they let Arizona creep back in. I, I just... Oregon State, the way that they play, when they get up, they really have to make a lot of mistakes for them not to walk out um, right. winning the game. So it was nice to see that on full display with UCLA. I do agree with you, Terry, that um, this game felt different. Uh, and the fact that UCLA is going to the Big Ten, um, just like at game day, it, it just re like reinserted that um, sort of painful animosity towards yes. what's going on. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of sympathy from those fans, I'd say. So there is like that vengeance factor that was always there, but came back even more strong after dealing with that and then playing UCLA. So like fucking good i'm glad that we sort of put their face in the mud the fact that they right. gave up 36 points but then the fact that they were down 29 to 10 mm -hmm. they're a top 20 team yeah those players think, those coaches those fans have to be pretty fucking frustrated at being down by that much and, and that was it really essentially eliminated them from any conference championship hopes 100 percent. yeah i mean they have two lot they're one and two in conference now right yeah that was even a, a duck fan i know who i will not name because i don't want people i know to get shamed uh <laughs> but was like i feel like your game is the, the bigger game this week like there's I, I, the stakes of a number seven versus number eight team who are both undefeated is always going to be huge but when Oregon's, if what, like I think Canzano phrased it well, Washington now has a mulligan for the rest of the season. Oregon doesn't, but now UCLA is just done. Yep, <laughs> and we're still in it. So the our the UC, Oregon State UCLA game essentially was like winner still has championship hopes, and the yep. loser can hope for maybe a New Year's Six at large. Uh, but probably you're looking at the holiday bowl as like a best case <laughs> and yeah. that that's big that, that that's big in, in a season, uh, like this. And I think Lindgren and the offense deserve a ton of credit. You take Coop's defensive points away. Uh, that's still 29 points put up by the offense, which would have been 30 had they opted to kick an extra point instead of go for two, which didn't work. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big game, and now we got two weeks to talk about Arizona, and I think it I think it shapes up well. Arizona will also get their bye week next week, yeah. and so I do feel good that the coaching staff has two weeks. Uh, to talk about Arizona and grind the tape. I don't know how much Arizona you guys want to talk uh, tonight. We do have we have a Vegas recording on the books for next week. I don't know how uh, coherent or on topic this day at, at, well, at that recording, but um, I think we should talk a little bit more uh, about about the, this game that we just played. 
Yeah. Um, uh, the only, I'm sorry, Terry. The last thing that I want to say regarding this game is, um, you know, you look at the schedule uh, before the UCLA game. And the, uh, I mean, the way Arizona is playing right now, maybe you have one A and one B, but the schedule gets progressively easier until you have Washington, Oregon game at right. the end of the season. Um, I believe going into that Washington game, if we win the, the rest until that game, we're nine and one going in and playing Washington, if I'm not mistaken. And right. So it would be, I, I'm, I, I don't like they say, don't think ahead, but I'm not going to stop you from doing it. <laughs> dream, dream all you want, playboy. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like you go into playing Washington at Reeser, a team that left for the big 10, a team that is in, you talk about like one of the big things about teams going to the big 10 is like the regional rivalry. So they're the first team that's going to the big 10 that has a regional rivalry. You're if we're nine and one going into that game that has number one pac 12 uh, championship game in Applications written Absolutely. all over it, um, but but the the environment at Reeser is going to be something like we've never seen before if that happens. And right. so, like desperately, desperately, the Beaver fam wants that to happen. And and so, yeah, like you look at the schedule and you have UCLA, Arizona at Colorado, which an away game is always going to be tough, but Colorado looks fairly vulnerable as of recently. And then Stanford, and then you have your tough games. And so, when you're you look at UCLA and Arizona, those are certainly the tougher of of those two quote unquote easier games. Um, and so to be able to knock or check mark one of those off is amazing but a, like there's a sigh of relief in that too like okay right. we've you know one check down of the games that we should be winning but some of them scary a little bit and Arizona is, is that other team on that list. Yeah. It's it's always going to be scary. There's always going to be more talented opponents coming up, but I do I don't want to lose sight of what this team just accomplished for a lot of things. Number one, I tried to look this up today. Uh, historical records of rankings and rankings that apply are a little bit iffy. And I, I did this over the course of a couple hours as I was, I was finishing the, the tail slap for Cream. I don't think we've ever beaten consecutive ranked opponents at Reeser. And part of that is I don't think that opportunity has come where two straight home games, you have a top 25 ranked opponent. But I think anytime that did happen, it was either 1-1 one and one or 0-2. Oh so having number 10 Utah come into Reeser on a Friday night on FS1 and really take care of business in a game yep. that Oregon State totally controlled. Go down a uh, business trip to Strawberry Canyon, take care of business in a game that you pretty much had control of, maybe f except for a couple moments in the second quarter or so. And then to have another ranked team come into Reeser and have another wire-to-wire -wire win. And so that's two straight home games, two ranked opponents, and two victories. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of Research Stadium. Uh, if someone can correct me on that, I would love to hear it, because <laughs> I wanted to put that in the tail slap this morning, and I like wasn't able to like definitively say, because I was like, I was looking at like 1930s box scores and shit. <laughs> and I don't know, like the, the AP poll and like how, like what's like recorded and, and things, uh, it, like I need to go to like the historical society <laughs> and get on get on the microfish uh for, for for things like that um but even like like the 2000 team just like didn't have that opportunity and the scheduling made that you know a difficult thing to accomplish even if you got the opportunity and 28 straight losing seasons of course you're not going to beat you're not going to have many winning streaks against ranked opponents uh at home or on the road uh dur during that those, those times but i think Two straight wins at home against ranked opponents is something that we should not be taking for granted, yeah. as well as 
one of my favorite sights and sounds from the weekend after the game, the video of Akili Arnold in the locker room after the game. He, he's yelling, where's my pins? <laughs> Where are my pins for a while? And then some, I think Fuaga and some of the other big linemen line up and he, he bowls his helmet and they all fall down in significant uh, uh, celebration of us going bowling. And Dashel then shared that this is the earliest that bowl eligibility has ever been clinched. Uh, part of that because we haven't had a bye week yet, so we've played, we've had seven games, so the chance to win six is earlier than it has been in some seasons, but still. Bowl eligibility on October 14th. When we started the show in May of 2021, we were coming off the 2-5 and five COVID season. We hadn't been to a bowl since 2013. Rashad Reynolds, shout out, former guest of the show, MVP of the Hawaii Bowl in 2013. It had been a long road. And I just don't want people to forget how genuinely, sincerely, and legitimately justifiably excited everyone was when we clinched bowl eligibility in 2021. Uh, when we got to bowl eligible by the bye, we had a later bye in 2022, and also the significance of going to a bowl and beating the shit out of an SEC team. Now, bye week after seven games, six and one, bowl eligibility, the earliest date in school history. Remember where this team was when Jonathan Smith came in. Remember where this team was when Gary Anderson slash he who must not be named was out the door and said it doesn't matter who they hire. And also, as fucked up as that statement was, a lot of people did not disagree with him at the time that statement was made. Yeah. And this is where we're at right now. I know it's bleak. I know there are suits trying to destroy us. And who knows what happens next. But like, you've got a bye week and two full weeks to just enjoy being here and to enjoy this moment and to enjoy what's happening. That last year, we were just begging for a stronger quarterback play. All due respect to Ben Goldbranson and Chance Nolan, who threw 16 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions off last year. DJ and Aiden so far, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. Like that, that prayer has been answered, and this is the reward. And that's exciting as all hell. And 9.30 p.m.'s kickoff central time two weeks from now, I'm already freaked out about it. <laughs> I'm already terrified. Um, oh, my God. I'm gonna. I'm for sure going to need a midday nap for that one. That is the game that is uh, – I'm, I'm there with you. It's like you can already feel the butterflies. It's uh, every game here on out is huge for us. It's massive. And one thing that I – a common theme that I had over the weekend was uh, the – notion that Oregon State and Washington State fans are getting annoying. People are like, <laughs> I I'm I'm on I'm I get where you guys are coming from, but you guys are just becoming insufferable. Yeah. Fucking good. Like <laughs> if that's if that's if that's what we can do. You guys are way too upset lives. about people trying to murder your program. Can't you just ease up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So like Fuck good off. if that's if if that's uh an emotional string that I can pull on somebody who is in a way um, embracing Oregon State and Washington State potentially getting left behind and fucking good. And that is going to continue as long as this team keeps winning because those people are going to be forced to talk about Oregon State football and the Oregon State athletic program and everything that's going on right now. So in a way, like Oregon State is playing for their future uh, and yeah. also the future of Washington State. So every game is so fucking 
walking in Portland right now, I can sympathize with with why you're already nervous about two Saturdays from now. Right. I'm not nervous about next Saturday. Oh, I mean, I, I am. I'm nervous about how much trouble <laughs> J- we're going to get into. <laughs> we're, next Saturday is a guaranteed dub because we will be at Wu Tang. Wu Tang. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Anything else on football that you guys want to make sure we get to? We've got yes. some honors. Uh, JP, I'll let you go first uh, before All we right. talk about some of the Oregon State award winners uh, from this past week, as w- there are three of them. Uh, yeah, I want to just first point out, and I think that this is a good recipe for um, when our defense, one way or another, uh, maybe has some leaks or holes to fill. Uh, when our offense can score and put points on the board after a turnover we do get, it's massive, massive, massive. And that's what we did on Saturday. All three, well, one of them was a pick six, so that helps. But on the other turnovers, we put points on the board with a field goal uh, and a touchdown. Um, So that is really one of the, I think, a, a big difference with this team offensively that we uh, previously had not been able to do when we had a nice defensive stand or a big defensive play. It wasn't always a given that we got points on the board. And, and kind of looking back to the beginning of the year when I talked about Edward Hayes being a uh, potential uh, you know, impact player, um, I, it was really, like I said, about the kicker and the kicking game. And if we had a kicker we could trust to punch it through, uh, if the drive stalls, it'll be really important to finish those long drives, to finish drives after uh, turnovers. And we did that um, really well uh, on Saturday. So hoping to see that trend continue. Um, also, one of those plays, we got to shout him out. No one said anything about Andrew Chatfield's pick. Yes! I can't, oh, I can't believe Benny did how it. How did we forget that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful. Best play beautiful. of the season. Hey, he, yeah. looked like a, he looked like a safety uh, com- coming down that one. the, the yeah. side there. Like, he, he had another gear. That was, that was a good play by, uh, I think it was UCLA's tight end who chased him down. But made a good tackle to get him out of bounds but he, he looked he great sh- he sh- he showed his burners on uh coops pick six too he was the one that was leading the or the blocker downfield so man chat do, can do it all that also i mean that was a great pressure by uh isaac hodgins who mm-hmm. got, got some contact on on Moore's arm i do think this was the best pressure we have brought all season. Uh, yep. Multi-sack game for Kelvin Hart Jr., uh, which was great to see. Uh, Sione Lolohea was all over the place, and he was named Pac-12 Defensive Lineman of the Week. Uh, Cooper Jr. had a complete game, was named Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, and then the big guy on the other side, uh, who just got a lot of love, was named to the Senior Bowls midseason All-American team. Lise Fuaga was named Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Week. So a lot of notice being being paid uh, to the Bees, but defense was great, and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the field goals, JP. I think Atticus had a, had a great game. He's kicking with a lot of confidence, um, and you know I kind of <laughs> I love the aggression when a coach decides to go for two. But a 37-24 is just a sexier box score than 36-24. And we know ASAP would have buried it. And what did you see the dance after his first field goal? It's kind of it was kind of like a little like, uh, uh, like a little <laughs> like sh- like shimmy fist pump, like with the shoulder whatever. Next next time ASAP scores, I I I don't know if he celebrates after extra points. He should because he's swaggy. But but look the the or or just rewatch the highlights because the camera caught it perfectly and it was like 
a first quarter field goal with like 11 minutes left in the first quarter and he was swagging out a little bit and i love that in a kicker i (laughs) I absolutely love that shit and while we're on special teams shout out josh green who had a great game punting the ball as well with averaging more than i think it was 42.7 yards averaged uh on his three punts and doing it while getting absolutely lit up by the uh the linemen from ucla that's uh, i'm glad we haven't gotten to the refs yet because we if we got to them earlier we could have spent an hour and a half bitching about the refs. (laughs) i will say i can't i i didn't look this up i didn't have time to today i wanted to but when I think that line judge got hurt early in the game yeah, on one of the, I think it was our second interception. And I think it was, was it? Yeah, it was Chatfield. Yeah, it was. Interception. Yeah, it was Chatfield's interception. And like non-contact, like one of those, like you just see it happen. You're like, oh, that's bad. So I don't think he returned. And I think when that just happens, the officiating crew is then just a man short. So I <laughs> No, they said they had a replacement. They did have a replacement. They they don't get off the hook. They were just. I'm not trying to put them off the hook. I'm just trying to search for (laughs) reasons. Uh, But the back, it was back-to-back plays when Josh Green got destroyed. No roughing the kicker called, and then on the first play, McCartan has a great. Should have been his fourth sack of the year. Yeah, and he comes. He gets blocked behind Moore. Makes a great move to get his arm up over the the lineman and down onto Dante Moore's throwing shoulder and brings him down and they call a face mask. And in real time, I, like I guess, but like there's multiple officials watching that and you can see on the replay clear as day, he gets no part of Moore's face mask. And, and he's showing the ref on like the, the gigantic right. screen. Yeah. Right. And it's just and like, it's clear. You, and that kind of stuff too, like you can tell the way a quarterback's head moves you can tell when there's a face mask or not. Yeah. And so just, it was like, we should have had a first down with the ball and then it should have been for like second and like 23 deep mm-hmm. in their own territory at UCLA that had the ball like wait, like around like midfield or something. So we should have even I... had more sacks. We should have had more possessions and more yards, but they couldn't take it away from us. I, um, I did see an interesting take today, and that was those two, the no call and then the, the bad call in consecutive plays was actually a good thing because it woke the crowd up and the crowd just was pouring it on the refs. And that has a way of rejuvenating the team. And I th- I think that there is some sense in that, but I have to we did get two JP, more sacks after I, that happened. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, um, Eric Ori and I were, were chatting on Twitter today. Eric Ori, uh, was tight end for Oregon State back in 86 and 87. And he said this of, of Reeser Stadium on Saturday. It was the loudest he has ever heard Reeser slash Parker Stadium in his 30 plus years of going to games. Yeah, it was really loud. It was really loud. Um, I would say it maybe got louder at some points against Utah when it comes to, like how loud it can get, but the baseline loudness uh, was very consistent all game long. There was never a moment where the crowd lost energy and had to really bring it back. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I, I I mean the noise really stood out uh, with Cooper's pick six. I mean that it just sounded like the roar of uh, Penn State Beaver State. 110,000 person crowd. I mean, it was noticeable on TV. Um, and if you haven't seen and re listened to the clip of the play by play calling 
at play. It is awesome. They just yell, oh no, yes. as they see Cooper breaking on the ball. And I mean, he was gone before and he even big, got it. Big Dave was speaking to that as well. He was like, I've been to ACC, SEC games. Research rivals all of them, if not better. Wow. No cap. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 we are lucky. It is a very, very special community that uh, we are lucky to be a part of. And also, just one final note then before we transition is that, uh, dude, we, I mean, I think we we do almost inherently assume that he's getting his shine, but DJ deserves some shine as well. That guy has been yes. bawling, absolutely right, bawling, man. and put. And I think putting together all the pieces that uh, we were hoping he would and were assuming he could, uh, it's very clear that it was a comfort thing. It was just a settling in. Feeling out the players that as teammates, the coaches feeling him out, the play calling, and yeah, I mean we're seeing it all click right now at the most like critical ju- juncture of the season. So right. you, he's you, he's having a great season. Yeah, as an Oregon State quarterback. You remember the after the San Jose State game where we were like, oh whoa, this feels way different. DJ's just in control of the game. I don't worry. And then there are a couple games where you're like, uh, he's not having his best game. He's making some you know bad decisions not being super accurate but not like after the ucla game i was like i had that same feeling that i had after san jose state where i was like okay like i feel so comfortable when he has the ball in his hands yeah Yeah. big shout out to dj and yeah i think uh, you're right we overlook him because we just think it's the foregone conclusion but he deserves his i mean through seven over 1500 yards 15 touchdowns against four interceptions had five more touchdowns on the ground he leads the team in rushing touchdowns fenwick has four damian has three and dj has five uh so 20 total touchdowns from an oregon state quarterback in seven games with uh a great defense behind you. You know, that's a recipe that we've been begging for and, mm-hmm. and it's here and uh, no doubt that he can keep it going. It looks like he and Silas have really developed uh, a rapport and he's, but he's also spreading the ball a lot. I would like him to throw two more touchdown passes to Isaac Hodgins before the season is over. <laughs> so I can win the bet that doesn't have any value or money attached to it. I just want the Isaac Hodgins touchdown counter to hit three and it was brought to my attention this week does that include defensive touchdowns if i were to get a scoop and score you say Mm. yes buddy i I was ready to say say no because i i Mm. think that the spirit of the bet was that he was going to be intentionally utilized on offense to the point of getting three touchdowns but i mean we'll take what we can get like we're this is a podcast that celebrates silas bolden who has like over a mile's worth of yards night right now when you add receiving yards, rushing yards, kick return yards, punt return yards, just all all purpose yards. Uh, that's the other thing. I want a Silas Bolden passing touchdown before the end of this season. Maybe the Stanford uh-huh. game, Jonathan Smith, if you're listening. I know you are. But <laughs> if hey, it, it's a good problem to have. We'll, we'll hash it out in the pod when and if an Isaac Hodgins defensive touchdown comes. But I was when I made the bet with myself, I was I did have offensive touchdowns in mind as he lines up as a fullback and has gone out for passes. Um, so that's a cost I'd be happy to eat, even if you were to get two scooping scores <laughs> or one of the defensive lineman pick sixes are the fucking best. And well, it's a, kind of a tweener defensive lineman linebacker with Chatfield. I really wanted him to take that one to the house. That would have been so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, we have a problem, guys. We have a problem. And that is that this Oregon State football team 
is just far too stack. And I say that because it's too likable because we can't talk about everyone in a two fucking hour episode. We we have we have mentioned Silas's name in one sentence on this episode. We've been recording for an hour and a half almost. And that I just have to say, he is the most electric player I've ever seen yeah. at his level of football that I can remember. And maybe I'm being biased, but like every time he touches the ball, it, it, he's like superhuman. JP, yeah. please play five seconds of the electric field. <laughs> <laughs> I, just shout out to him. The I haven't skills... given you enough to do tonight. I'm sorry. Thanks. <laughs> The skills that he brings to the table is just incredible. Yep. Yeah. And also, he's a great dude. Uh, we, we were catching up after the game. Uh, took a photo with him, Mini Bebe, and uh, signed a football for him. Like, I mean, just, you know, really, really engaging for the kid and uh, good conversation. Good conversationalist as well. So, great player on and off the field. Shout out, Silas. I know he's an elite route runner, but like for him to get that wide open on that play, like UCLA, you can guard, you can guard anybody you want. <laughs> when you line up on defense, you can choose to guard anyone you want, and and that's the dude you're gonna let run free into the defensive backfield. And then it was the next one. They're like, oh, we'll let we'll let Velling do it. There's no way this giant white guy <laughs> burns us. And it was. Those two touchdowns almost looked like the exact same play, just with uh, Velian running the same route that Bolden did. But... Correct me if I'm wrong, but on the Stylus touchdown, it wasn't a blown coverage. It was he just juked him, essentially, right? It was just yeah. sort of a misdirection, and then he all it took is one misstep by the cornerback, and he was five yards Gone. down yeah, the field. That, is, that yeah. is all it takes. Yeah. And why are teams still kicking to him? I know he didn't bust one against UCLA, but he had a few great kick returns against Cal. And maybe it's like your kicker doesn't have the strength to get it deep in the end zone. Cause he's taken, he's taken a couple out of the end zone, but none yeah. super deep. And it's just like, these are just traditional kickoffs right to Silas. And I'm like, what? what? Don't complain. There, there, is, there is, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just, I'm questioning the integrity of this opposing special teams coordinators but why? who are Don't apparently too good for this conference and are going to the Big Ten and to the ACC later. Sure. And they're just kicking straight to Silas Bolden. <laughs> so if, if anything, it's a criticism. It's like, there is like, I think there was one kick return that UCLA defended super well and they got Silas before he got to the 20. But like the other two times, they got him right around the 20 like where it would have been anyway and i'm like what is the benefit of doing this the only benefit is that he doesn't fucking burn you that was maybe not to keep go completely back to last year but we had that great episode about the uh amazing comeback against oregon one of the biggest mistakes that oregon made was just they had a 31 17 they had a 34 17 lead after kicking a field goal and they kicked it right to fucking silas who took it right to the 50 added it on a 15-yard penalty, and then we're in the end zone like three plays later. Yeah, that's a good like he, point. He has that ability. Just kidding. Take everything I said and throw it out to the garbage. Please, please keep kicking to Silas Bolden. He's not going <laughs> to hurt you. Like, he's, not, he's one of the most dangerous players with the ball in his hands. And God, I just I love any situation where you can get him the ball rushing, receiving, returning, hopefully passing. I want a Silas Bolden <laughs> passing touchdown before the season ends. 
I need one. I need one, Jonathan. Come on. The closest thing that I can remember that would be to the same level as Silas would be James Rogers, where like when he got the ball, same sort of thing. You're like, oh, he could do anything. Yeah. I, Silas just is like more electric, it seems like to me. It does. I think Silas might have, I feel like Silas seeks out contact a little bit more. Yeah, I think I think James had more like I think James has had more breakaway speed than almost anyone we've ever watched. But I think yeah. Silas is close in that regard. I would you can't really line up players in different primes or whatever. But seeing them in a foot race, oh oh nine James racing <laughs> against twenty twenty three Silas would be <laughs> must see TV. Um, but like Silas will dish out punishment a little bit. For, yeah, for for a, for a smaller player and. Uh, and you know, backs it up too, and he talks a lot more shit, which of course yes, he does love on this podcast. Oh, it's so <laughs> great! And just it's it's obviously everyone is playing great, but like when he scores a touchdown after the sun goes down, and the lights turn off, and it's the the orange LED light show happening, oh. it, it just like hits different when he's the one with the ball in the end zone going crazy. Yeah. Watching him play is like you've put your DVR at 1.2 times the speed, it seems like. <laughs> or like the one time we did this podcast episode fast and we were talking about like this and we did the entire last segment of the show when I was like this. I was like that guy at speed, but also way more curated and under control because he's amazing and better than we are in every possible way. <laughs> Silas yes. Bolden, we love you. Silas yes, Bolden for president. Silas Bolden for Blitnikoff. Silas Bolden for number one overall draft pick in the NFL draft and all fantasy drafts in perpetuity. Once you make the jump, Silas, but you're, please, please stay in Corvallis forever. You're missing. One. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one thing he ha- he could still earn if uh, he sticks it out. One thing you have Heisman. No, oh, even better. National championship. Even better. Bebe's Hall of Fame. Bebe's Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought I, that. I was think a conclusion. I think that's coming. I, I I feel like the integrity of our board of trustees and Hall of Fame committee it it can't be in in season and well well, yeah he's got i'm saying i'm not i'm not asking for you to nominate him saying he has to stick around that's true that's true to get to that's true but yeah but baby of of course the most prestigious honor forgive my foresight (laughs) jp all right let's move shame on you uh the rest of this um not super quickly because we need to spend some time on some of these um but let's go to the volleyball court I still don't have a great name that syncs up for this, but the volleyball from from the gridiron to the volleyball and coach Lindsay Bohonek's team um, who had probably probably the best weekend in the uh, young and developing Lindsay Bohonek era. Oregon State sweeps the Arizona schools at Gill first time since 2017, including a stunning absolute banger of an upset against number 19 ASU. I don't know if you guys caught the footage of the final point that uh, Oregon State Athletics put out on Twitter and Oregon State Volleyball tweeted out as well. It was awesome, and it looked like Gil, it looked and sounded like Gil was lit for this. And this is a team going into the weekend, still searching for its first conference win, had been playing better than we've seen from this program in in years past. Yeah. Obviously, just when the coach Mahonic hire was made, it was like, there, there's a lot of work to be done here. We're not expecting a national championship in year one but it's awesome that the beaver dam is showing up at gill supporting this team and these student athletes 
and that they not only got the upset against a really good Arizona State team who had only lost one game before this, this weekend, this year, one game. There was no hangover with it, and they beat Arizona the next game. And that just shows, like, signs of, like, really important growth and the the foundation building that you want to see in, in year one of a new era. Um, and they were well rewarded for it as Mikhail Vernon, who was the sort of offensive leader of the team, absolute beast, had 19 kills uh, in both contests, was named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week earlier today. And also uh, Ryan White was named the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week earlier today. So Beaver Volleyball sweeps the Arizona schools and sweeps the Pac-12 Player of the Week honors. Congrats, yes. Beaver Volleyball. Yes, yes. totally. That's, totally. Ladies, Let's that's go. fucking awesome. And I, I feel badly that we haven't created enough space and time on this podcast to talk about this team more because I think year one of, I don't know if we can call it like rebuilds, but building eras is always super interesting. Uh, but obviously this team got some wins early in the season and then had a tough stretch in conference play. But for them to be at this point in the season, show that they're still playing hard, getting a pretty good home field or home court advantage with people showing up at Gill and being loud, that's fucking fantastic. And to get the, the conference player of the week honors, like I can't imagine what these girls have gone through on this team that has had to lose a lot to get to where they are now. And that has to feel good. And uh, my, my hat goes off uh, to that team and to Coach Mahonic. And to what she's building there. I, I want to get to a volleyball game so bad. And I think this is signs that this program is headed clearly, clearly in the right direction. And there are exciting times ahead. For sure. And it, and coming at the right time, too. It seems like college volleyball in general is on the rise right now. Um, I mean, you look at Nebraska, who yeah. they sold out their football stadium sweet. for. Yeah, that was awesome. And um, and so, like, did Iowa State do to the volleyball team? I, University did of Iowa had their women's team play at their football stadium. It was an exhibition against DePaul. They sold something like, like I think, la before the game, I saw that like 60,000 tickets had been sold. Jesus, yeah. that's at, at fucking Kennedy. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, that. It, so it's it's great to see that the Beaver fam is getting involved with with our volleyball team, too. Um, it's it's just in general, like I, I feel like they're the Beaver fam is out in full force and um, doing that just, you know, helps these teams reach their potential. And um, having that good home field advantage is great. But shout out to the volleyball team. And Love don't use the football team's bye week as a reason to not be loud because yeah. volleyball is hosting the bay area schools at gill this weekend friday 7 p.m against stanford mm. that game is on pac-12 network so you can watch it anywhere i'm gonna try to watch it Dude. 7 p.m pacific time and then against cal on sunday at noon pacific time oregon state stanford volleyball all time i don't think we've ever beat them in the history of our volleyball program for real yeah hold on this is the part of the podcast where we look things up there's some old JP, record you're a resident you're a resident volleyball player keep talking yeah I was, I uh, looking back historically there's a couple that uh don't have any like outcome um but stanford <laughs> stanford is promising. stanford is historically insanely good 
and right. uh, are always ranked, are always uh, playing well. But I'm pretty sure we've never beat them in the 20 plus years of our volleyball program existing. So we've got the momentum. We've got right. the big, <laughs> big match against them Friday night. So all the more reason to show up and not miss what could be a very uh, exciting first. I'm guessing you are looking at the same information I'm looking at right now. But yes, according according to osubeavers.com, the women's volleyball history versus Stanford from October 1st, 1999 through the last meeting, which was November 23rd, 2022, the Oregon State's record is zero wins and 34 losses, a home record of 0-17, and a away record of 0-7. The winning streaks is 27 straight losses, so maybe... Wait, wait, wait. Hold, it, hold on. Two, 2005 doesn't have... It, 2005 doesn't have the outcome entered. It's because it was our freshman year and JP was yelling at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, our, that's that's our records, which um, are incomplete, I guess. Uh, I, I've heard this. This was like lore while we were in school, is that Stanford had always beat us and i'm on stanford's website right now and their history of the matchup uh we also haven't beat them since 1981 as far back as they're tracking uh to make matters maybe better or worse we are oh and 69 against stanford no all time we have to leave that l dude <laughs> We have to leave the L at 69 before they go to the ACC I just realized later. this. I just realized this. We are all going to be in Vegas on Friday night. We have to oh, find a sports yeah. book. We have to bet on it. We're, we're going to bet on this. and we're Put going the mortgage to, on OSU. The sports book at the Flamingo will be all eyes on Oregon State Stanford volleyball. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and then afterwards, we'll get to put 1 and 69. Yes forever such a we'll make stickers noise, such a i will make noise one way. in 69 forever stickers one in 69 forever t-shirts everything yeah. <laughs> koozies <laughs> that is hey, uh, also pretty interesting <laughs> that two different university websites have such different records <laughs> <laughs> published on on their accessible web pages. I, I have no idea how that happened, but whatever. Benny, you're chomping at the bit. Oh, just 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 like two three sentence answer from you guys. I have a question now that we have sort of um that we finalize our Friday night Las Vegas plans. <laughs> yeah, where where are we going to dinner? Uh, no. Um, what do you guys think the outcome is going to be? So Pac-12 and Pac-2, I guess, are in mediations. Looks like there's going to be something that gets worked out there. Um, Pac-2 doesn't seem like it's in as bad of a position as what it was when Stanford and Cal bolted for the ACC for the worst deal in the history of business or sports or anything else. Do you think Stanford and Cal come knocking on our door to see if we'll let them back in the house? Two to, you want a two to three sentence answer? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We can get into it more next week since it's a bye week. That's true. Just um, two I'm going to say no. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm saying I don't think they will. Mainly because the people who make these decisions are too egotistical. Yeah. Are, are too greedy. And the people at Cal are and, just too dumb. And at Sanford, money doesn't matter as much, I don't think. I, no. It's the same reason why, like... Everyone on Fox and ESPN is scared to say the types of things that, like Chip Kelly said, that's just like very marginal, low-level support for Oregon State and Washington State. They have egg on their face for this, and I think 
Calford, as we can refer to the two of them, is a little bit less. But for them to call Oregon State and Washington State and say, for them to say, hey, Oregon State University and Washington State University, you guys are smarter than us. (laughs) And the University of California, Berkeley need your help. They're not going to do that. And also, it would involve a university president admitting that they're wrong. Oh, true. And in this entire process, None of these people will admit that they're wrong. And I don't think we'll ever see any of these soulless, brainless, greedy, perfumed, worthless bureaucrats ever admit that they were wrong at any point. Uh, yeah. Perfume. Was that, was, was that two to three sentences? That was like two to <laughs> three a, hours. That was, that, was a yeah. run on, that was two to three run on sentences. Oh, I'm awake now again. <laughs> yeah. It's the morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have thoughts and feelings. No, I, but I'm in agreement. I don't think that they would come back. Uh, I don't think they come clawing back. But I do envision a very likely possibility. So that's like a very <laughs> un- un- unlikely reality. They're perhaps thinking about possibly maybe doing something <laughs> kind of different. <laughs> but I could see I could see a scenario where Oregon State and Washington State get the Pac two figured out and they don't join they don't they don't leverage their assets and financials to join a new conference, but instead rebuild the pack as they have been publicly stating their intentions to be, where the ACC does implode and Stanford and Cal are left out again and there's only one West Coast conference that makes sense for them to join. Will they join? Not if it's the pack, whatever, but they will if it gets renamed. I'll give you that. Right. Not that this is a compromise, but I could see Oregon State and Washington State playing as the pack two next year and Stanford and Cal being on both schedules. Because I yeah. think Stanford and Cal's schedule, they know what conference they're going to, but I don't think that schedule's totally figured out. I don't know what their non-conference need is. Kenzano had an interesting article about this. I don't think either Stanford or Cal were on the list of FBS, FBS schools that still needed games for next year. There's actually a pretty interesting list uh, that could be part of, of next week's episode with it being a football by week. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we played them in some kind of non-conference thing and just out of a matter of geographical convenience. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I I, I do um, second, I guess, the point that internally they're probably wanting or wishing right. that they didn't leave because it, uh, yeah, they, right. the I tables mean, have turned a little bit since they did. It, and it didn't make sense when they did it. At least with the Big Ten shit, it's like, okay, you greedy dumbass, but I, I see, I can see the money. I know 30 million is more than whatever. I know 60 million 10 years from now is more than x or y or whatever the fucking acc thing was it was never like oh you guys got a bag (laughs) you you nifty grifters it was just like what the fuck are you guys doing they took like 40 percent revenue share for a conference that is definitely imploding right now right where the three best teams are like all actively searching out and one of them's bringing in saudi money yeah, but you have to also imagine that they made that decision on some sort of insights, or they had some educated guess as to what was about to unfold. Um, I, I'd be, it would be the most incredible thing to have somebody do a tell-all at some point about everything that has transpired. Hey, it's gonna be if they want to keep taking us to court, they're gonna have to give up discovery. That there is no way it's going to court because of that. <laughs> I know. I hope it does, though, baby. But I. Do 
do think that there could have been a point where there was nothing left for Oregon State and Washington State until somebody found the loophole or somebody found the last thing to hang their hat on and it's now scaring the shit out of everybody that's left because they thought no one was going to find it or they didn't find it themselves. We found some sort of buried treasure uh, that had everyone else's jaws hit their desks and they were like, fuck. And, and, And now we're the assholes. (laughs) For, <laughs> yeah, we're insufferable for Terry. having the audacity to want to exist. Uh, sorry about that, world. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a thought, but I don't. I don't care. All right, move, moving on. AC, see you later to that segment. <laughs> um, uh, real quick on the pitch, men's soccer does drop a tough one uh, to Portland by a score of two to one. Those pesky pilots, Merlo Field, remains a difficult place to play. One of the best soccer programs in the country, uh, and Beaver men's soccer team will bounce back. Uh, women's soccer looked pretty impressive in a zero-zero draw against Arizona at Lorenz, the fourth clean sheet of the season for our favorite goalkeeper, Haley Cole. How have you not called her Cole keeper yet? That's I'm sorry. That's Haley. I'm sure you've gotten this before. (laughs) If not, we would like to W Cole keeper. We hope that should be our, this should be our new closing. (laughs) What? Just Cole keeper. I have why well, I have a closing for tonight. Start call keeper. Start, start <laughs> starting call keeper. Good luck scoring against the call keeper. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that goes really good with the furnace jokes I was making at the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the coal keeper gets her fourth clean sheet of the season. Oh, speaking of Haley Cole, the go to the uh recap page for this on osubbeavers.com it's the the cover image of it is them like huddled up with their fists in the middle and it looks like Haley is the one who's talking and mckenna has a very amused look on her face and like other people are laughing too and i just want to know what Haley said in that pregame speech to get that kind of reaction <laughs> out, out of her teammates. So maybe, maybe coach Sinicola will, will let us in on that secret. Um, if that's something that needs to stay with it within the confines of the team, we understand. Um, but you know, another great game for Haley hashtag goalkeeper. Um, McKenna also found the woodwork in that game, rattled the crossbar, but not the net. And unfortunately, that's just another draw for the team still looking for their first uh, conference win of the season. And they're running out of runway to do so. And also over to the hardwood, I mentioned this earlier, Oregon State women's basketball conference schedule hasn't been posted yet. So we can't tell you what weekend we are looking for our semi-annual, occasionally annual, kind of whenever we're able to do it and think of it basketball summit. Uh, but not to be buried, make your way out to Gill Coliseum, Gill Coliseum, legendary Gill Coliseum on October 29th for the women's basketball exhibition against Western Washington. Uh, the game, which is free this year, as it has been in the past, uh, courtesy of Oregon State Athletics. Uh, this will tip off at 1.30 p.m. Fans will have a chance to support the community of Maui, which supports the Beavs each year at the annual Maui Classic with an optional donation. All donations will support Hope Chapel's emergency short-term programs that help families in crisis 
as the Maui community continues to recover from the devastating wildfires from earlier this year. So if you do not yet have plans on October 29th afternoon at legendary Gill Coliseum, a chance to make a donation that will really go a long way, and also a chance to get your first look at Scott Ruick's women's basketball program for this 2023-24 season. I would love to be there. Uh, I can't, but I will uh, you know, be feeling the FOMO that day and hope as many of you can make it out as possible. Go Beavs! Thank you, Women's Basketball and Oregon State Athletic Department for putting together a great event and supporting a great cause, as you yes. always do. Yes. I am excited to see the two of you in Las Vegas <laughs> at the end of this week. And it's not just the two of you. Super Secret Producer Skinder will be there. Aaron Balake will be there. The Wu-Tang Clan will be there. Uh, we're all hanging out. We're staying at the same hotel, and we, like, have – the same plans like we'll be us us and the rizza the jizza ghostface killer inspected deck raekwon the chef old dirty bastard uh you've got massacre and the method man uh we'll, we'll all be pretty much hanging pretty much inseparable uh they they've been on the pod the entire time too just haven't said anything yet they're real shy um benny <laughs> i'm excited man i'm your so bachelor excited. party is upon us i'm so happy that it worked out this way we're just going to be there, and we're not going to miss a Beaver football game to do it. Uh, we're going to watch the Oregon State volleyball game on Friday night. Uh, and then We'll Wu-Tang probably watch uh, Wazoo, Wazoo beat Oregon in Eugene. I, I am going to put money on that game. I'm it might so, be when we're at Wu-Tang. I'm so excited to just throw down <laughs> on the most ridiculous parlay with you. I'm yeah. going to start thinking of parlays tonight. I can't. Oh, wait. I'm going to look up the lines. No, Ooh. you can't oh. prep a we're, parlay. You just have to go off com- the, your gut feeling. Just, no, we're, we're coming. No one's, uh, no one's no ever game. thought to look at the lines before going to Vegas, JP. We're coming to town prepared. We're going to take the house. They're not. <laughs> Vegas isn't ready for these guys. Oh, man, they're ready we'll for me then. All of our winnings betting betting each other on <laughs> on uh what do they call it? Top golf? Top golf. Yeah, top golf. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll we lose it all in the NFL on Sunday. That's right. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. Let's go. What an gonna... episode. Yeah. What a homecoming week. What a homecoming from the legend, the myth, the icon herself. Bernice Beaver. I'm still so happy that happened, you guys. I'm so happy we beat the Bruins. I'm so happy we went to Oregon State. And I'm so happy we have this podcast. I'm so happy we're friends. And I'm so, I'm so happy too. you're listening, listener. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, this would be a great time to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Um, leave a review if you utilize a podcast platform that allows that, such as Apple Podcast. Uh, text review with five stars really helps us grow the show a lot. We really appreciate this if you shared the show with a friend and kept listening despite uh, how long-winded or how many run-on sentences we answer uh, very direct and short answer questions with. Uh, we really, <laughs> really appreciate you being here and spending time with us. Uh, this has been episode 112 of the Belligerent oh. Beeves podcast, a special And no one asked for five seconds of 112? Edition. Oh Ooh, shit, and- I play JP, please play five seconds of Peaches Agreed by 112! <laughs> there we go. I literally had it in my notes to do that. It was in the front line and I immediately skipped to the second. Man, oh my you, god. You would have regretted you for your life. Us. 
JP, holy shit. Next you week, know you know we're going to have to request Ain't Nothing But a G Thing. Because the episode is one, two, three, and to the four. But one, no, two, three. Not. No, it's one. Wait, way. oh, no. Oh, wow. wow. No, the leave blunt, us in. The blunt is still in me. Leave us in. Numbers are hard. <laughs> Math is science, science, baby. Math is well, science. Science is beautiful. One, one, three into the four. We will get to one, <laughs> two, three, Benny, in just under three months from now. <laughs> we'll, we'll still so be gawking that. over the new men's yeah. basketball uniforms. Oh, one, 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 one three. That. There's got to be something there. I can't wait until episode 1738 to ask for five seconds of Fetty Wap constantly for 1738. <laughs> Hey, there, yeah, what? So that's, that, that's my uh, long term goal. Sent Trezzy. Sent Trez is a French uh, hip hop band, 113. 113. Oh, okay, Sent Trez. They will be in Vegas as well next week. Sent Trez. They have, <laughs> they have a residency at the Luxor, I'm pretty sure. We have uh, brunch plans with them at White Republic. Ah, uh, Paris. Oh, that would make way more sense. Yeah, Sent Trez. Right, see, Paris. The, uh, Paris. The, the blunt is hitting you. The Cabernet is hitting me. It is time to end this episode. Episode. Beaver fam, you are the best. You are beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, you can follow all of us all over social media. My beloved co-host, JP Bertram on the ones and twos and in Portland. Uh, at JP Bertram on Instagram. He's at the Treel J on Twitter. That's at the underscore Treel underscore J because he's too Treel to be real. And famous now from his College game day exploits. Lee Corso, who? Pat McAfee, who? Kirk Herbstreit, who? Desmond Howard, who? It's all about Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, a.k.a. Benny with the good quaff, a.k.a. Benny Bull Game, a.k.a. Benny Burner, a.k.a. Benny Blastoff, a.k.a. Benny Bedlam, because he's fucking crazy, folks! I found it. <laughs> um, at Benny L1986 on all of the social media channels. I'm Terry Horstman, at Terry Horstman on Twitter, at Terrence Horstman on Instagram.com. And you can follow the Belligerent Beeves at Beeves on Twitter, at Belligerent Beeves on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Blue Sky. We're on a bunch of other stuff. I think we have a TikTok. We for sure have a web website belligerentbeeves.com and excellent merch at belligerentbeeves.com new merch dropping soon new merch dropping mm. soon at belligerentbeeves.com slash merch <laughs> um probably we are we're on youtube we're on all of the other stuff we might even we might even revive myspace at the at at, at this rate so just follow us across if you're on a platform we're on that platform give us a follow give us a like and post our shit do your friends shit and then we'll all be friends and that's how this works uh thank you again for listening to the show thank you to everyone who showed up to reser and was and we're loud thank you to everyone who showed up to legendary guild coliseum for the volleyball team and we're loud you are the best part of oregon state never forget that and always remember that no matter what happens no matter how good things are no matter bad things are no matter what assholes try to ruin college football no matter what dumbass college presidents may or may not call us back trying to get out of the ACCC later uh, dumbass deal that they made two months ago just tell them to ACC later and remember for yourself that you can't spell chop them 
without hope, H-O-P-E. It was right there in the middle of Benny's chop em flag on college game day. You saw it live. So chop em. Chop em. Chop em. I've been waiting a hundred episodes to do this. Welcome back, Bernice. And AC, see you later, folks. <laughs> <laughs>